0: This podcast brought to you by Earthlink.
1: It's Monday, March 27th, 2006. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Veronica Belmont.
0: And welcome to a special interview version of Buzz Out Loud, our podcast of indeterminate length. We're happy to welcome Shannon Coulter, director of A&R from Magnitune.com. Hi, Hello,
1: Shannon. Hello, Tom. How's it going? Good. Very Thanks well. for coming by course.
0: We, uh, we usually get people beg off and call us, so we're impressed that you actually trucked all the way down here and it's came wonderful. into the studio.
1: <laughs> it was always my preference when I worked in radio. Yeah. Uh,
0: it definitely makes it sound better, for one thing. Plus, I can actually see you while we're talking, which makes a difference, too. So tell us what Magnatune is, first of
1: all. Magnatune is sort of a hybrid between a traditional record label and a music distribution service. And so there are some ways in which Magnatune behaves like a label, and there are some ways in which we act like um, a distribution service along the lines of CD Baby or iTunes, um, <clears throat> and we work directly with art. There are many things we do unconventionally, as well. Um, our tagline is "We are not evil," so that sort of refers to still oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of an indirect reference to the rest of the music industry being mm-hmm. somewhat on the dark side of things. So we try to do things a little bit differently in several ways.
0: So uh, if an artist wants to get on Magnatune, let's start it from that sure. uh, direction and talk a little bit about that. And then we'll get into podcasting, which I think will probably be of interest to our users because I know some of them. In fact, one of our listeners, Andy, mm-hmm. uses Magnatune regularly on his podcast. Andy pod- in Tennessee? Yeah. Uh, his podcast, The Weekly Tech Review. He oh. always plays a Magnatune song to start off his podcast. So, but first, let's uh, start with the artist. How do you get on the label?
1: That's where Magnatune acts like a traditional label. We get about three hundred submissions a month, three to three to four hundred, and we accept about ten of those. Wow! Um, Actually, less than ten on average. Um, And so that's my job. I listen to all the incoming music and um, decide, you know, what we need that month and pass it along to John Buckman, who's the founder of the label, and and see what he likes. We have really between the three people who regularly listen to the incoming music, we have really diverse taste. So that's one of the things I really like about Magnatune is that we're unusually well-rounded. We have everything from Renaissance lute to speed metal. <laughs> Do you have it? any Renaissance lute speed metal yet? <laughs> or no, but if there was such a thing, we'd probably sign them. Is there any kind of criteria for who you pick? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the, John and I, although our tastes differ quite a bit in music, we think there's good music in every genre. So mm-hmm. the only criteria is that it's good. The, that we, is an excellent criteria. <laughs> our customers tend to be audiophiles, so right. the production quality has to be pretty high. It mm-hmm. can't just be sort of back of your van um, stuff. But yeah, in every genre, we we listen to just about everything. So, so
0: out of the three or four hundred, how much does musicianship just cut out right off the bat? I mean, mm-hmm. how, how 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 fine is the distinction when you get down to trying to pick your ten?
1: It gets pretty fine because it's possible for most people to record at a pretty high level these days okay that's, that computers. was what i was interested to know. Yeah. yeah so usually for me it comes down to actual musical musician musicianship as you said the the lyrics and the, the originality of the work and the actual music
0: which is uh which is very subjective it's hard it's hard to pick
1: it is very subjective yeah
0: which is good why i guess it's good why you have several different tastes involved
1: in listening one of my criteria my own personal criteria is that if something if i want to hear something again that's usually a very good sign or if you want to hear more of the same like you know more tracks from them right yep but if i need if i find myself needing to hear a song again that's usually a good sign that it's caught my ear amidst all the stuff that hasn't so
0: now being good is something that it's it's rather hard to learn Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it just comes through practice and studying and whatnot. But there are probably some obvious mistakes people can avoid if they're wanting to get on a label, yours or others. Do you mm-hmm. have any advice to pass along?
1: I do. I think it's a very common mistake for new artists to include too much of their work on submissions. And although we ask for 30 to 40 minutes for a, a first submission, we we generally get too much from the new artists. We get like 19 or 20 tracks. They're just so excited. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's Editing is one of the most difficult Parts of the creative process, but it's a necessary one. So,
0: anything else besides just keep it short or keep it to the to time?
1: Um, I think for new artists, it's for me. It's very important to see that they're playing out regularly, and I want to know that. Um, many artists do not. They're very they're um, recording artists, but they're not necessarily enamored of the performance part of the process. Unfortunately, you know, it's not the case that you can just put your music out there and expect to develop a following without actually going out and mm-hmm. performing. I just saw Sleater Kinney, for instance, at South by Southwest, and I've known about their music for 10 years mm-hmm. and love them, but I didn't buy a CD until I saw them perform live. So. Yeah,
0: it makes a difference. You get much more of a connection when you see music live. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the podcasting aspect of it and, and a little bit about how people can obtain the music. How much does it cost? Like you say, you're not just a label, but you're also a distributor. You can yeah. actually purchase the music directly from magnitude How right. much does it cost to get the music?
1: Um, we actually let you tell us how much you'd like to pay for the music. We have sliding scale pricing between $5 and $18 for an album. And one thing I think is really interesting is that on average, people pay $8 per album instead of the minimum. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, in my mind, that means that John has essentially proven that people don't, not only don't they want to steal music, but they'll actually pay more than they have to when they're given an opportunity to pay the artist directly. Right, that which makes is really sense. Nice, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, how can they? <clears throat> and this may lead us into the podcast discussion. How can they find out what these artists sound like? Because uh, while you have good artists, they're not at the benefit of a massive marketing campaign, they're not going to be on right. MTV. Uh, how can people get exposed to them and decide, yeah, this is somebody I want to plop down some money for?
1: Well, they might be on MTV. You never yeah. know. <laughs> now that I'm on board. I, I mean, I think that, I think that mainstream venues are becoming more open-minded about any music. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Live 105 lately is instead of, you know, going with the Arbitron format, they're going with actual subjective editorial choices on the air, which is really nice. And I think that people are tired of, of, airbrushed crappy mainstream top 40 crap
0: <laughs> well there, there was this uh in bed mentality for so many years and it still exists between uh the a and r departments of the of the big labels radio and records magazine and those kind of magazines and their rankings yeah and then and then the the uh, playlist yeah
1: essentially Paola. yeah so, um, yeah i was gonna say that, that yeah same thing so um magnitude one of the many things that we do differently is that we don't we don't just provide snippets of audio files we provide the full audio tracks, so you can actually listen to full albums on magnitune before you buy them and when you do buy them we offer <clears throat> many different file formats and instead of just mp3s we offer wave files FLAC, aug orbis files so like i said audio files tend to really love us and and uh, appreciate the
0: and no drm
1: no drm no wow
0: now that, That's that, great. <laughs> that seems very brave.
1: Not only do we not have DRM on our music, we actually encourage our customers to copy albums for their friends. Yeah, we tell us a little to. bit
0: about the, uh, the sharing program.
1: Well, you've always been able to copy your albums for friends, right? And the, only with this recent innovation, and I say that, I use that term very loosely, of DRM have you not been able to do that. So, you know, John understands that, I mean... Think about the way that you get new music into your life. You generally hear about it from a friend whose taste you trust or are interested in. And you, you know, maybe download a couple tracks or they copy a couple tracks for you. And then you start to like that artist and maybe buy some of their music. And well, it's exactly. actually been shown that people who file share music actually buy more music than people who don't. So
0: Yeah, Veronica tells me what's cool. and then <laughs> <laughs> I
1: Yeah, I mean, we all have those tastemakers in our lives. And, and that actually dovetails really nicely with the podcasting discussion which is you know most labels are really uh, are not on board with the whole podcasting thing yet and they don't share their music with podcasters whereas we see them as naturally passionate you know, people who are naturally mm-hmm. passionate about music and sort of the best possible advertising we could ask for mm-hmm. so we provide high quality audio files to podcasters for free they can select from our entire catalog And if you're a non-commercial podcaster, meaning you're making less than 50 grand a year on your podcast, you know, you can use music for anything you want on your podcast. You can use it as background music for an exercise video if you're doing video podcasting. And we're, we're very generous to podcasters. And we also license all our music for free to students. So wow. how do you
0: go about getting the music if you're a student or a podcaster?
1: You just ask us uh-huh. and we give it to you. Just an email? Yeah, you can download. I mean, you can get the, the lossy sort of low quality version directly from the mm-hmm. site, but we'll mm-hmm. actually provide the WAV files to you. And to what do. kind of proof do you need to have that you're like, you know, an EDU address if you're a student or a Not necessarily. link to your podcast you just or email something? Teresa Malango is our director of mm-hmm. licensing and you just email her and tell her what you need it for and answer a couple of questions about how you're going to use it and for how long. That's really great. Yeah.
0: Now, do you have any attribution restrictions or any sort of stipulations if you're going to use this? Tell people where you got it?
1: <laughs> yeah, we ask for attribution and we make that pretty easy. Well, so that sounds fair. Now yeah. I've not- noticed
0: on Andy's podcast, he actually has a different voice saying what track it was and <laughs> where it was from, and then saying it was magnitude.com. Is that. Something that y'all are providing him? or Yeah,
1: that might be me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it a woman's voice? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's probably me.
0: So is that part of the file then when you download it? or
1: Yeah, it's part of the file when you download it, when you're listening from the site. Mm-hmm. But he could actually ask for a file without that on it if okay. he wanted
0: that. So. I he probably just leaves it in so that he doesn't have to. It's already there. Yep. He doesn't yeah. have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. When we come back, we'll wrap up with some final questions. Got 10 friends with computers? It's a safe bet nine of them have spyware. And you might, too. Get a free spyware scan from Earthlink today. Just visit earthlink.net. All right, well, Veronica, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask before we wrap up here?
1: No, I just think that sounds like a really great service. I think it's phenomenal that you're supporting you know, people who need access to that kind of music and don't have to worry about getting sued over it. Yeah, <laughs> it was really interesting yeah. if we have time for one little yeah, anecdote. Sure. At South by Southwest, where I just returned from, I went to a panel called Choosing Music for Your Film. And the audience was essentially a bunch of young filmmakers oh, from University of Texas, uh-huh. and a very educated, accomplished panel told them that if they needed music for their film, they should just hire an entertainment lawyer or just <sighs> hire a music supervisor who really sure. knows what they're doing. And this was after it had been ascertained that they were working with budgets of ten grand or less, most right, of them. Right. Right. So I kind of mouthed off during the Q and A part of it, and it was really unexpected. But I basically couldn't give away my business card fast enough afterward because. <sighs> They need music uh-huh. for their films. They need it to be easy. They need it to not to be brain surgery. And we've, one of the really innovative things that John has done is he's automated the licensing process. So if you need music for a film or a commercial, usually you have to negotiate with a label, and it's a very tedious, very time consuming process. And um, now it's like buying a book off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. So. I told them about this and it was a really unexpected response. We ended up getting interviewed by South by Southwest studios and mm-hmm. kind of making a splash that we didn't expect to make. So I think it's indicative of, you know, there needing to be a much less ridiculous music industry in place for people who like and or need music.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, even uh, shows like Arrested Development, there's the, there's an episode where they're showing a montage and the voiceover from Ron Howard is like, <laughs> we would have liked to play Yellow Submarine, but who can afford that? <laughs>
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I heard that Northern Exposure was just released on DVD without any of the original music they used because the licensing was so ridiculous. Oh, man. So. Yeah.
0: It, it's scary. yeah. It's scary. A lot of times, even stuff that you might be able to afford or get, you just don't because you don't want to deal with it.
1: Right. Or if your project is a commercial success, something you once were able to license, you're now being gouged for. Right. So you can't afford mm-hmm. it anymore. So we're trying to make that a little bit easier for people.
0: Well, good. Thanks, Shannon, for coming in and, and talking about this with you. And uh, maybe we can rely on you in the future. If we have more questions about this sort of thing. Of
1: course, yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: Shannon Colter, director of AR from from Magnatune.com. Uh, this is Buzz Out Loud. You can call us 1-800-616-CNET. Email us buzz at cnet.com. And look for us in the forums at forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud lounge.
1: Bye.